This is the Andrew Lake Podcast, and in this episode, we're talking about spectrum thinking. Spectrum thinking. Well then, what is it? It's thinking with a spectrum. It's using the idea or map of a spectrum to improve the quality of our thinking. Spectrum thinking can be used to bring a better understanding to something. It can make us see things in more detail. It can help us understand contrasts and complexities. Sort of like putting more pixels into our screen to make a clearer picture. It's a meta tool of thought, which means that it can be used on many different things in many different ways, as you'll see as we keep talking about it. First off, let me put out a basic description of the analogy of a spectrum. What we can do is have one point and put a line along to another point. Now along this line, we're going to build our one-dimensional spectrum. At one end, we're going to have the color black. And at the other end, we're going to have the color white, or shades, if you want to call that. Right in the middle of this line, we're going to have an exact mix between half white and half black. And that's going to make a shade of grey. Now, of course, don't get technical about the pigments, you painters and artists. Let's just assume that these are going to be exactly the same in strength, so we've got an exact middle grey for our spectrum. Now on either side of the middle, we can mix that grey with black on the one side and white on the other. And then we will have divided our line into two more shades of grey. Now between those shades of grey, we can divide again and mix until what we have, and so on and so forth, of course, is what we have a whole line of all different greys that go gradually from black on one side to white on the other, and all the different kinds of grey in between. What we can do now is add another dimension to our spectrum. So instead of just having a line, we're going to have two lines and make a square. So this would be a four-dimensional spectrum. And perhaps what we can do is just put a colour in the different corners of our square. If you open up your favourite program on the computer, you could probably find this in one of your colour options. There's many programs that have this. It's a square that you can move your mouse around over the different colours and they blur in and out of each other. And of course, some colours go with other colours better, and some blur smoother into others. But you start to get a bit of an idea of what a spectrum of colour is like. 
Moving along in our analogy, we can add another line to our spectrum, and this would make it no longer a 2D shape, but a 3D shape. So this is a cube, which at every single point within it has a different color. And this is where things really get interesting, because if you take a line and shoot it straight through the cube, what you'll find is that there's different ways of looking at the spectrum and where the different points are on the spectrum. So that line that goes through the cube is going to have an entry point and an exit point. If we look at this cube from one angle, these two points, the entry and the exit, are going to look like they're completely opposite to each other. But if we turn our cube in just the right way, we're going to be looking straight at that line that goes through the cube, which will mean that the entry point and the exit point look to be exactly the same. Perhaps we can add another dimension to our cube. Maybe the dimension of time, so that we've got a point in the cube that changes shape over time. So we can contrast this with another point which might be changing shape over time. Perhaps these points go from a pointy sort of shape or a spiky sort of shape and oscillate between that and a round sort of shape. And sometimes the points are both round, sometimes they're round and one's spiky. So you can start to see that it gets quite complex because we've got different things happening at different times and we can see how they're related in contrast to one another. Let me give you the exact formula you need to create a spectrum. So this would be the thing that you apply to the thing that you're thinking about in order to work out how a spectrum can apply to it. There's really only three things you need for a basic spectrum. One is you need a clear description of what it is. And two is you need the extreme opposite of that. The third thing is you need to have degrees of difference between those two things in a scale sort of way. Define something, work out what the exact opposite it is, and then scale everything that's in between. For example, let's think about food. Now we can find two extremes in the world of food, such as hot food and cold food. Or perhaps we can say that there's raw food and cooked food. And then we can say that there's food that is spicy and food that is not spicy. Perhaps another dimension of our spectrum of food might be sweet and sour. There are a whole range of different things in between and different combinations that we can come up with. So if we have a meal, 
we can contrast it with a number of different dimensions of the spectrum in order to contrast it with another meal. What's interesting about food is that we tend to think that there is food that we like and food that we don't like. The initial intuition is that what you like is just what you have and that's the way it has to be. But the food that you've eaten as a part of your cultural upbringing has conditioned your taste buds in order to be drawn to certain things. And it's possible to change the tastiness that your taste buds have. This is by conditioning one end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum. So for example, if you are used to eating fatty processed foods on a regular basis, what you can do is start to eat less of those, curve your taste buds to be back towards something more healthy. And this is why people who eat healthy on a regular basis would say that they love to eat healthy. It tastes great to them. It's a wonderful thing to be able to eat something so fresh and so good for you. And people who are used to the junk food and the fast food, the processed foods, would say it's quite hard to eat fresh because it doesn't taste quite the same. It doesn't have the same intensity. All you really need to do is condition your spectrum so that it's not so further towards the black side. It's more towards the middle side and the white side of the spectrum. Now, that's not to say that you can condition yourself to like anything. There is still a limit to the spectrum, but you can change the range of the spectrum. Everyone also has a sort of limit to their comfort zone. They have a top end of what is desirable and too much for them to take in the way of adventure or branching out or trying new things or taking risks. And it's possible to expand this spectrum. It's also important to recognize that people are different and everyone else has their different limits. Everyone else has different appetites. But if you really apply spectrum thinking to the areas in your life where you're not quite as risky or adventurous, then you can use it to move towards a more meaningful direction. Perhaps you need to move it in the other direction, but spectrum thinking can be used to take it either way. I'm thinking now about social interactions. What sort of dimensions of conversations and social interactions that we can use to put into a spectrum? Rapport with the person that you're speaking to? Subjects you don't like to talk about? all the way across to subjects you do like to talk about. There might be tone of voice. There might be emotional content. Or there might be a spectrum of words that you understand. So at one end, we might have someone who uses big complicated words and sounds smart and is all academic. On the other end, you might have the person who doesn't really speak in long words, they use short words, and they're quite simple in their speech. Now, this doesn't mean to say that one is better at discerning information than another. In fact, the person with less fancy words might be better at getting their point across to other people, 
And that would be a different part or a different dimension of our spectrum. It might be the the color rather than the grays of the spectrum of conversation. Really, you can think about these sort of things yourself and come up with your own dimensions. All you've got to do is find an aspect of something and contrast it with an extreme opposite and then fill in the steps in between. As another example, perhaps we can think about the spectrum of emotion. Now, for some people, emotions are a touchy subject and it can get a bit too personal, but it's okay. We're not going to be picking on anyone here. What we're going to do is use spectrum thinking to bring a better understanding to our emotions. So what would some of the dimensions be on our cube of emotions or our spectrum of emotions? We can have intense emotions on one end and bland or boring emotions on the other. Pleasant emotions on one end and unpleasant emotions on another. Familiar emotions and unfamiliar emotions. It's possible to have an unpleasant emotion, which is intense, and it's familiar. Now, we do like to have an element of familiarity to our psychological composition. So people who are familiar with intense negative emotions can be conditioned to be drawn towards those emotions. Now, when it comes to conditioning of emotions, we might add the dimension of rate of regularity to our spectrum. People might have intense, pleasant emotions, but the regularity is sporadic. It's not very regular. It's not a consistent thing that happens in their life. Perhaps one more example would help us really hit home this idea of applying a spectrum to a way of thinking or a way of life. What could we do for the spectrum of freedom? When I think about freedom, I think of restraints. Or when I want to understand freedom, I try to understand what restraints are. Of course, there's physical restraints, there's also mental restraints. There's also restraints on what we don't know and what we don't have as a field of possibility. A lot of those can be contrasted and put into a spectrum to help understand what sort of freedom we have. How can we judge how free we are? How can we understand what freedom is? What can we do to expand our spectrum of freedom. Perhaps there is a dimension of struggling against the condition that we have and submitting to the world that we're in. And these two extremes can form part of one of the dimensions of freedom. If 
Spectrum thinking is creating a point and then understanding the opposite of that point. Perhaps we should say a few things that are not spectrum thinking. Now, first of all, spectrum thinking is not systems thinking. Systems thinking is more about a process. It's more about a starting set of conditions which then go through a set of changes and end up in a different set of conditions. The object starts as one thing, it goes through the process and ends as another thing. Systems thinking is understanding exactly what influenced that object to make it go from one starting point to another. Of course, we can use systems thinking in conjunction with spectrum thinking, but that would only be applicable to certain things that need a change dimension put to them. Usually this doesn't work because spectrum thinking is about taking one photograph, one point in time, and then assessing that just unto itself. It's more about camera for photos rather than a movie for filming. Spectrum thinking is also not metaphorical or conceptual thinking. Now, it is a metaphor and it is a concept, but it's not those things in and of themselves. Spectrum thinking is also not hierarchy thinking. So, hierarchy thinking would be the equivalent of saying black is on the bottom and white is on the top and there's a scale of good and bad in between. A dominance hierarchy would say that everything that's more white would be dominating to things that are less white as we go up the ladder. Hierarchy thinking is about values. It's about putting things in an order of importance. It's about making things come forward that are bigger or better or more dominant and backwards things that are less significant and not as important. I actually prefer spectrum thinking to hierarchy thinking because it sidesteps a lot of the issues with conflicting values and clashes in what's more important than another. In fact, a way of resolving hierarchy problems is understanding that they're all on the same spectrum, but they are still different in their own way. Spectrum thinking is also not micro-macro thinking. This is known as fractals in integral theory. Micro-macro thinking is seeing how intricate little thing is related to a big, vast, bigger picture. It's how the Grand things are reflected in the small things, and how the small things are reflected in the large things. So a classic example of this would be that an atom has a nuclei, and around that nuclei, protons and electrons and neutrons spin in a funny sort of way. And this is reflected in the sun of our solar system that has planets and moons and satellites revolving around it. Micro-macro thinking is a fascinating tool of thought, 
and I'd like to discuss it more. But by way of contrast, it's not the same as spectrum thinking. Another tool of thought that we can contrast spectrum thinking with is network thinking. Now, this is distinctly different to all the other kinds of thinking that we've discussed thus far. Network thinking is recognizing that all parts play a role in the whole. They are all doing their bit to make the whole thing work together. Network thinking describes and analyzes how each part is related to another. So some parts can be directly related to each other, and they're closely related. We can say that one part is affecting another much more than it's affecting something else. Network thinking is similar to relationship thinking. And I mean relationship in the broader sense of the word. Not just relationships between people, but relationships between ideas, between concepts, between thoughts, between philosophies. This is what we might call a grand spectrum or a broad spectrum. This is when we start to put concepts into our corners of the cube. And that's how we can start to blur the line between disciplines. The spectrum of complexity. That's one that can apply to almost anything. There's a complexity in food. There's a complexity in the spectrum of emotion. There's a scale of complexity in social interactions. And there's also a scale of complexity in freedom. We can also plug in what we call the rate of change to the spectrum thinking model. Isn't it interesting that things seem to be changing, and yet things also seem to be staying the same? And there are a whole bunch of things that fall within the spectrum of the rate of change. We might call it a universal truth that everything changes, but applying spectrum thinking to that truth helps us understand where different things fall in the spectrum of time. The last example I've got written in my notes is the spectrum of representation. Typically, we have a picture of what reality is, and then in contrast to that, we have representations of reality. A representation of reality might be a painting or an artwork, or it might be a mathematical equation, or it might be a story or a novel, or it might be a piece of poetry, or it might be a theory or a philosophy. And we tend to contrast with that with what reality actually is, which is the objects and the mechanics and the nuts and bolts of reality. But if we understand that there's a spectrum working through all these things, then we can understand that representation is also a part of reality. Representation occurs within the same spectrum of reality 
And if you can follow that, you can see how we can resolve a paradox by using spectrum thinking. So a paradox is two things that can't exist together, but they are also defined as opposites to one another. Paradoxes are a whole kettle of fish that I think we can have an entire conversation about, and I'd love to do that at some point in the future. I think on a more practical level, we can talk about the spectrum of personal development and also the spectrum of fulfillment or the spectrum of satisfaction. And these are things I've been thinking a lot about recently. It's really fascinating to find that a system of thought like spectrum thinking can bring a lot more clarity and understanding to really practical, down-to-earth life issues such as satisfaction and personal development. I think that's all I have to say for now. Thanks very much for tuning in. My name is Andrew, and we'll be back soon with more.